Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Aviva Ram, your host, and welcome back to Natural MD Radio. This week, we're going to continue the conversation about cervical cancer screening with an episode called Abnormal Pap or Positive HPV, what the results really mean and what to do next. In my experience, most women don't even think about their cervix until they have to get a pap smear. Then, as if the pelvic exam itself wasn't stressful enough, if you receive the news that you had an abnormal pap or positive HPV results, especially if accompanied by words like cervical dysplasia, biopsy, or precancerous, it can spin you out with worry. I totally get it. We're not given much intel on what all these test results and terms really mean, and it's really scary. On top of it, HPV vaccine marketing has put the fear of cervical cancer out there in a big way. So hearing you have HPV can really make you panic. Today, I'm going to break it all down by explaining the most common abnormal results that show up on these tests, what they mean, and what next steps are recommended for you at your specific age based on those results. Hopefully, it'll put these results into perspective and help you breathe a little more easily. Now, if you're not sure what the various tests are, when you should get them, hop on over to my previous Natural MD Radio episode at avivaram.com forward slash 102. That's the number 102. And at that link, you'll find all of the information about what PAPs are, what HPV testing is, why it's important, what some of the risks are, what you should know, and when to get those tests. This is sort of the next level of you've gotten a test, you get some results, you're a little nervous about what it means, and you're not sure what to do. So just a quick reminder in a nutshell, if you're already holding results in your hand and are freaking out a little bit, or you just wanna get on with the next steps and you're familiar with the tests in general, Basically, the two tests that are done are called the pap test or the pap smear, and that's looking for abnormal cellular changes in the cells of the cervix, and the HPV test, which is looking for the type of HPV virus that causes cervical cancer. There are 100 different types of HPV virus. There are 13 that are known to be cancer-causing, and of those, the HPV test looks for several that are really high risk. Now, first, I want to give you some perspective. Positive results on these tests don't mean you have cervical cancer. If your pap test comes back positive, this can mean one of two things. You had a false positive, which means you're fine and the results are wrong, or your healthcare provider found a possibly significant change in the cells on or inside the cervix. It doesn't mean you have cervical cancer. Repeat, it doesn't mean you have cervical cancer. In fact, you probably don't. Most often, the changes are due to the presence of high-risk HPV strains. So often, testing for HPV will be part of the next level if you have 
a problem with your pap. And depending on the degree of changes, you might need a colposcopy. But the results from a pap test when they're positive in any way are just a heads up. The next step is to keep calm and carry on. Okay, I just mentioned a word that you may never have heard about, and that's colposcopy. In gynecology, we call it a colpo for short, and what it is, is a closer examination of your cervix using a special microscope-like device. It's very similar to getting a pap, you know, where you get the speculum inserted, etc. though given that you're getting it because of concerning results, your anxiety is likely to be higher. But it's, the exam itself is physically very similar. During the colposcopy, your healthcare provider can look for areas of concern on your cervix, apply acetic acid, which is vinegar, to your cervix, and look for specific changes that the acetic acid causes on your cervix or slightly inside it if there are areas of cellular change. Then, if those are seen and they look concerning, if necessary, your healthcare provider, all in one swoop, can take a small tissue sample or several samples called a biopsy. It's momentarily uncomfortable, and I know I have performed many, many of these, but when necessary, it really is worth it because it can provide important results to guide next follow-up tests or, if needed, treatment. Okay, so let's talk about results. What does it mean if your HPV came back positive? So human papillomavirus is a super contagious and happens to be a sexually transmitted organism. And it's the key culprit causing cervical cancer. It's spread mainly by direct skin-to-skin contact during vaginal, oral, or anal sex. And it can be spread even when an infected person has no visible signs or symptoms. In fact, the kind of HPV that causes physical signs and symptoms like warts are not the kind that cause cervical cancer. You can contract HPV even if you've only ever had one sexual partner, but it's more likely if you've had quite a few. And in an upcoming episode, I'm going to get real specific about what cervical cancer risk factors are. As I mentioned, there are, on, there are over 100 types of HPV, but only about a dozen are associated with cervical cancer, and they can also cause anal and throat cancer, also from sexual contact. The HPV test looks for the high-risk strains, and it only detects some of them. Now, if you're under 29, you won't have this test done unless your pap comes back abnormal. If you're over 29, it might be part of your cervical cancer screening, depending on what form you choose that I talked about in episode 102. So if you're if you're 30 and over, you can choose a pap alone every three years, a pap plus an HPV every five years, or just an HPV every five years. If your HPV results come back positive, don't panic. Only a small number of women who are infected with HPV will ever go on to develop any cancer related to this virus. Additionally, HPV infection almost always clears up on its own without any intervention within a few months to a year of picking it up and about 90% clear within two years. It takes 15 to 20 years for cervical cancer to develop in women who have a normally functioning immune system, and that assumes that you have HPV, HPV virus present for years and years in a row. And even in women who are immunocompromised, if there's HIV, if you're on an immunosuppressive medication, for example, even then it takes five to 10 years in the presence of persistent HPV. 
the peak age for picking up an HPV infection is in your early 20s, but it's not likely to show up as serious cervical changes until at least age 30, and the highest risk ages for cervical cancer are ages 45 to 60, which is why women who don't get cervical cancer screening their whole lives or don't get it often enough or properly done, when they show up with cervical cancer, it's usually after age 45 and often in their 50s and 60s. But because cervical cancer doesn't cause symptoms until it's advanced, testing is the very best strategy for detecting cervical changes or HPV, and if necessary, treating those changes early and helping your body to clear HPV. Keep in mind, it's very low risk to get cervical screening done. It's very low risk to get HPV testing. It's very low risk to get PAPs done. And it doesn't, remember that vaccination doesn't protect against all forms of HPV. It does have some risks and it doesn't protect against strains of HPV that you were exposed to prior to getting vaccinated. So even if you had Gardasil or another HPV vaccine, for example, you still need pap testing because it doesn't protect against strains that you got exposed to if you were sexually active before you got HPV vaccine. Another important advantage of getting tested is that knowing you have cervical changes or knowing you have HPV can alert you to the need for nourishing your vaginal microbiome, boosting your overall immunity, and doing other strategies that are proven to clear HPV and reverse mild cervical dysplasia, another word for cervical cell changes, that I'm going to share with you in the next episode of Natural MD Radio in a couple of weeks. So specifically, what do you do if you have a positive PAP or positive HPV? I always feel like the word positive is the wrong word. It should be negative, right? It's not like you don't want it. Positive sounds like something good. I mean, I guess it's good because it picks it up. But in medical testing, the word positive means the test shows up that you have something. And again, like in what testing to get at what age, it's age-based. So for HPV results, if you're age 21 to age 30, remember, HPV testing shouldn't be done on you, so you shouldn't know if you have HPV positive. The only reason an HPV would be done on you between, 20, well, it's 29, uh, 21 to 29, I should say, is if your pap comes back positive. So between 21 and 29, you're getting a pap every three years as long as everything's normal, and that's when, if it's not normal, you get HP, HPV testing done, and that kind of gets you down the pathway of what you need to do next. If it's normal, then you... Um, just repeat PAPs. If it's not normal, then you'll go on to colposcopy. Now, if you're 30 or over with positive HPV and a normal PAP, so positive HPV, normal PAP, over 30 and over, HPV will still most commonly clear on its own within a year. So the recommendation is simply to follow these steps. You repeat co-testing with both the PAP and the HPV vaccine in one year. If at that time the testing is normal, as it will be in most women because it'll clear, then you repeat co-testing, which again is PAP plus HPV, in three years. If retesting at one year, however, came back abnormal again, that's when it would be appropriate to go on to a colposcopy. If you feel like you just can't wait a year to retest because you're anxious about the positive HPV, 
Even though studies show it's extremely unlikely for any cervical cancer to be missed while waiting, another option is to ask your healthcare provider to get you the high-risk HPV DNA typing. And that'll show if you have a high-risk strain. And if you do, then you can reasonably go ahead with a colposcopy, kind of clear your mind and not worry. But really, 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 the standard is to repeat just a pap and an HPV in one year. Remember, just the presence of HPV in the absence of an abnormal pap shouldn't lead to a colposcopy unless you're HPV high-risk positive. Now, some women have persistently positive HPV results even over many years, and that can increase risk of cervical cancer. So if that's the case for you where you get tested for HPV, then a year later you get tested for HPV again, and a year later you get tested for HPV again, and they're positive every time, it's really important for you to get onto the root causes and doing the strategies that I'm going to share with you in episode 103 so that you can really boost your immunity, heal any cervical changes, and take care of the root causes that can lead to cervical changes to the best you can. Persistent HPV infection is the most significant risk for cervical cancer precursors and changes to cervical cancer. So it is really important. And the longer a high-risk HPV is pregnant, pregnant, listen to me, the longer high-risk HPV infection is present, the greater the risk of high-grade changes seen on PAP or HCIL, which I'm going to talk about in just a minute. So, you know, it's distressing, but it's also a great opportunity to make the changes that you need to make to do your best to help support your body in recovering that cervical cellular health and clearing HPV. And sometimes it does just take a little bit of extra help, knowing what risk factors that you can clear and knowing what herbs, supplements, because there are some that are well-proven to help this along. So what if you have abnormal PAP results? Let's explore that together because you might be freaking out. Of course, because your first thought when you get an abnormal PAP test result is that you're headed for cervical cancer. So again, you can hit the brakes on that runaway worry train. That's rarely the case, even with moderate cervical cervical cell changes. Your body knows how to heal. And given the right support, which is forthcoming in the subsequent episode of Natural MD Radio, you can help your body along. So what I'm going to talk with you about next are the three most common PAP results, what they mean and what you're supposed to do next. Now, before I do that, I want to remind you, because I know that you're often out on a run or on your treadmill or driving in your car or doing something while you're listening to Natural MD Radio. I've got all of this written down for you. And you might not be due for another pap smear for two years, and you might think, ugh, I really want to remember this. So I've got it all written down for you over at avivaram.com forward slash 103, because that's this episode, avivaram.com forward slash 103. So you'll find everything you need all written out for you and links for things that you want more information on. And you can always bookmark it so that when you have that pap come up in two years or next year, you're like, where did I read that? I think it was, where did, where did I hear that? I think it was Dr. Aviva. Hmm. And you can just have it ready for you in your bookmarks tab. All right. So these three are not the only pap results that you can get. There are a couple of other variations. One where it's inconclusive because maybe the cell sample wasn't that great. There are a couple of combination results that can come up, but these are the three big categories that you're 
most likely to see if you do have an abnormal pap result that, that gets reported to you. These are based on what's called the Bethesda system, which is the standard system used to categorize test results based on the level of risk of those cells turning into cervical cancer. So again, these tests like the PAP and the HPV don't tell you you have cervical cancer. What they do is they give an indication to how high risk your cellular changes are, and then that points you in the direction of what the next level testing is. So the first most common um, abnormal finding that you're likely to see is called ASCUS, A-S-C-U-S, and it's atypical squamous cells of undetermined significance. What this means is that your pap shows some irregularity in your squamous cells, which are specific cells on the surface of the cervix, but that these cells don't have any of the characteristic changes of squamous intraepithelial lesions. That's a big fancy word, which means possible precancerous cervical changes. So SIL, squamous intraepithelial lesion, possible precancerous cervical changes. And that's important because you're going to hear me talk about LSIL and HSIL. So remember, this is just some changes of the cells that indicate possible changes to be aware of and concerned about, follow up on, but depending on how they're graded, they may be extremely um, unlikely to turn into cervical cancer up to more likely. So with ASCUS, the risk of cervical cancer in women is extremely low. And that's because up to two thirds of women with ASCUS do not have high risk HPV infection. So if you get the results ASCUS, there are age related options. If you're between 21 and 24, and remember, this is going to come up on a pap. So starting at age 21, that's when you get your pap. So you would have had a pap. This does not have to do with HPV. If you're 21 to 24, these are the recommended next steps for ASCUS, but also if you get LSIL, low-grade squamous cell. So when you hear me talk about LSIL for age 21 to 24, I'm going to refer back to this. So for the first two types of cervical changes you're most likely to see on a report if you have an abnormal pap, if you're between 21 and 24, these are the steps you follow. If you haven't done one yet, now's the time to get an HPV test. If your HPV test is negative, it's normal, then you just do a regular scheduled testing. So you go back, if you've got this ASCUS, you get an HPV test, it's normal, you just go back to the every three year testing that you were doing, or uh, yeah, and, and then when you hit 25 and over, then you can do, I'm <laughs> sorry, when you hit 30 and over, you can do the um, HPV plus PAP or just the PAP. But until 29, you just go to your every three year HPV test, uh, your PAP testing. Now, if your PAP comes back with ASCUS and your HPV that you get next, which you should get if you come back ASCUS is positive, then you go on to colposcopy. So 21 to 24, you get a positive PAP with ASCUS or LSIL, you get an HPV, and if that's positive, you go to colpo. If it's negative, you repeat the PAP again in 12 months, and if negative again at 12 months, you just go right back to your normal PAP schedule. So if you're between 25 and 65 and you're not pregnant, it's a little bit different if you're pregnant. So discuss PAPs with your midwife or OB if you are. But 25 to 20 to 65, because remember you stop at 65 unless there's a reason to continue, 
here's what you do if you get ASCUS positive. If you haven't had an HPV, just like everyone else, HPV testing is the preferred next step. If it's positive, you go to colposcopy. If it's negative, no culpo is needed, and you simply co-test for PAP and HPV again in three years. Alternatively, you can repeat the PAP in one year, and if it's normal, you go back to normal screening. If ASCUS is present again or the cell changes have progressed, then you go to colposcopy. Remember, all of this is written out for you at avivaram.com forward slash 103. Technical stuff, I know. And it may be like, "Ah, I don't need to hear this. But at some point, you're going to have that PAP that needs to get scheduled. And then you're going to be like, wait, what was that? What was that? And this is what I really want you to have the information on. Because what I don't want is for you to get over-treated, over-tested, and have potentially invasive cervical testing that you don't need. Like a woman who contacted me recently and she said, She is um, over 30, her HPV came back positive, her doctor didn't tell her it was high-risk HPV, and she hadn't had a, a pap, and he was already telling her to go for colposcopy and a biopsy. So that's not actually technically the right progression of steps. Now, sometimes medicine is an art, right? And you have a hunch on something and you follow your hunch or you see something that's concerning to you and you follow your hunch. But some things are actually based on solid guidelines and those guidelines should be followed because when we don't follow certain kinds of guidelines, people get over-tested. And as I shared with you in episode 102, over-testing with PAPS has led to women having really serious consequences, particularly around pregnancy, miscarriage, um, preterm labor, and then difficulty dilating because of cervical scarring and stenosis leading to unnecessary C-section. So that can happen with any cervical procedures like a biopsy, for example, but you don't want it to happen when you have nothing wrong with your cervix and you're just getting over-tested. On the other hand, I don't want you to be afraid of pap smears. You know, I've had women come into the hospital when I've worked in the hospital, and I think I shared with, you know, if you listen to the last episode, where I've had women who have come in, women who have had trauma, sexual trauma in their lives, and were so afraid to get a pap, so afraid to get a pelvic exam that they just never did. And now they're 55 and they're coming into the hospital because they're having symptoms of vaginal bleeding or odor and something's really wrong or abdominal pain. And they already have advanced cervical cancer because they never had the screening. So I want you to not be afraid of getting the testing, but I want you to be informed of what testing you need for your age so you only get the right testing and don't get more testing than you need. Okay, so we met, I talked about ASCUS, that uh, it's sort of the atypical cells, really mild, almost always likely to revert to normal. But just to be sure, we do a little bit of follow-up testing initially. And if it's that follow-up testing's normal, you go back to regularly scheduled programming. The next finding that you'll get on a report is called LSIL, L-S-I-L, and that's low-grade squamous intraepithelial lesion. Remember I said put a pin in that earlier. I didn't quite say that, but that's what I was kind of saying about remembering that that means possible precursor cells. So it doesn't mean you have precursor cells. It means you possibly do. So what this means, LSIL, is that there are some potentially precancerous cells present, but 
that your cervical changes are extremely mild and have a very low likelihood of progression onto cervical cancer. While your cells are most likely to revert to normal on their own, however, this is one of the times when colposcopy is recommended for some extra evaluation. Remember, if you're 24 and under, so age 21 to 24, L-CIL almost never turns out to be precancerous and it often goes away on its own. So if you're in that age range, you don't have to go on to colposcopy. You can simply have another PAP in one year. So you follow the ASCUS recommendations. If you're 25 or over and you come back L-CIL positive, what you do is you, if you have a negative HPV, if you haven't had an HPV, you get that testing. If you're L-cell positive with a negative HPV, you repeat co-testing in a year. Co-testing is PAP plus HPV. If both tests are normal at that time, you repeat both in three years. If you're L-cell positive and you, HPV, and you come back HPV positive, or you don't actually have HPV results, you go right on to colposcopy. So the, you can get it, you get the HPV results, or you can just go right on to colpo. That's kind of your decision, and you can work with your practitioner on that. So the next level is HSIL, high-grade squamous intraepithelial lesion, those possible precancerous changes. Now, this is a more concerning result that does suggest more serious changes in your cervical cells, and this absolutely requires a colposcopy and a biopsy. The biopsy is done at the same time as the culpo. So you have the speculum in, you have the culpo um, uh, device, the microscope essentially, um, and what your provider does is grabs these little biopsy pincers and, and pinches some cells off the end of the cervix. It's not comfortable. Um, it's not like hit the ceiling pain usually, unless you have some significant cervical inflammation. Uh, you can take some ibuprofen beforehand if that's a likelihood that can sometimes help. But usually it's a, it's a very, very quick procedure. Um, there's one or a few samples that are taken and it's like a, a quick pinch and uncomfortable, but then once it's done, it doesn't continue to be um, painful. It's not like an ongoing discomfort after it's done. And even though it's uncomfortable and even though this finding does not mean you have cervical cancer, and in fact, only 2% of women who have these changes will already have cervical cancer, but 20% of women with high-grade squamous will go on to cervical cancer if left untreated. So you definitely do want to get the culpo and the biopsy with HSIL. Remember though, I know that sounds so scary. When I'm, think of it this way, 80% of women with these changes don't go on to any cervical cancer. And if you catch it, most women get 100% recovery with basic treatment. So as scary as it all sounds, even serious abnormalities can almost always, always be successfully treated. So I just want to really encourage you to not put your health on the back burner. It's so easy to put your own self-care off the agenda, right? You skip your dental cleanings, you skip your paps, you make sure your kids or your family members have everything done that they need. You know, you're crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's at work. And maybe you're making it to yoga class and having your green smoothie, but you're putting off the pap. It's really important to get tested properly. That said, there are risks to getting too many screening tests. Most HPV positive results and many of the abnormal 
abnormalities found on pap smears will clear on their own. And too much testing can lead to unnecessary additional treatment, including those that can cause cervical damage. So if your testing is normal, it's just once every three to five years, you've got that. And if you have any questionable results, all the more reason to keep up with regular PAPs, make sure that you're you know, on top of the information that you need. And remember, I've got a really helpful, hopeful, supportive blog and podcast coming out for you in just the next couple of weeks, which is going to give you natural alternatives to restoring cervical health. These are for women with HPV positive results alone or low-grade cervical dysplasia. These are the top natural approaches that I use in my own practice to help you support cervical health and vaginal microbiome health. So I so appreciate you joining me today, and I want to share a little special giveaway that I'm doing um, between this episode and the next episode, if you're listening in real time, we're going to have Mother's Day. And I want to just do a special shout out to mamas, to women who may become mamas, to all of you in the community who are listening, who are celebrating a mama, and all of you women who also struggle, who didn't have the kind of mothering that you need, that maybe this Mother's Day might not be the happiest, most joyous time, and that you do some of your own reparenting and give yourself that love and nourishment that you need. So what we're doing to honor Mother's Day is a special giveaway, which is if you leave a comment over on iTunes, which I hope you'll do anyway, and share this, um, we'll be able to see the comment, We, meaning my team, which is me and my husband. My husband does the production of Natural MD Radio for me. Uh, you will receive, well, what we're going to do, that will enter you into a random selection to receive a really beautiful herbal, natural self-care kit. So it'll be one winner. And again, to enter, leave a comment on iTunes about how Natural MD Radio helps you, helps your lives, has helped the life of, of someone you know and why it makes a difference for you. Thank you so much for joining. I hope that you don't ever have to worry about concerning cervical changes, but I hope this really helps you feel supported and prepared to know your body better, to know what this testing is about, and to be empowered about the results so that you're not just depending on someone else to give you the information that may that they may or not may or may not even be properly aware of themselves. See you next time on Natural MD Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.